0: What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, aka John and John.
1: Welcome to episode number fifty-five. That's five, five 55 Konzano and Wilner, the podcast. I'm John Canzano. You can find my work in reporting and writing at johnconzano.com. Get a free subscription. Get a paid subscription. I always say whatever works for you works for me. I'm here with John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group. You can find his work at Pac-12Hotline.com. Uh, episode fifty-five, Wilner. Did you know? Are you keeping track of this? Like, should we do something special? Should we have a giveaway? I don't know.
0: I knew we were in the fifties. I didn't know the exact number. Uh, wh- I also know we're now uh, very close to 365 days since USC and UCLA left. What are uh, announced they were leaving 300, and what 63, I think, and and 51 weeks basically. Since the PAC-12 announced they were going to seek a media rights deal, and I would not have guessed back then that we'd still be talking about this. We hadn't even started the podcast uh, at that point. So we've we've started the podcast and gone through 55 episodes, and we're still kind of in the same place with the PAC-12 situation.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I find – are we in the same place, though? Because I, I, I'm looking back now, and I think it's going to be interesting once – The Pac-12 gets a deal, and we kind of look back at the landscape. Maybe we'll all see it a little clearer as they explain themselves and talk about why there were some intermittent delays. But I I have no context, Wilner, for what a media rights negotiation takes. Like, I've never covered one of these before now, and I think a lot of us are pivoting into new territory with this stuff and, frankly, eager to get back to talking about the football, but I just don't have a context of – did this deal take longer
0: than when larry scott negotiated the last deal with espn and fox I, I don't know well i think when he did that one my sense was that they went through you know it was announced i want to say in may of 2011 and i think that they negotiated for four or five months and the big ten you know the deal they just did took ah six months it was like february to august basically including the expansion piece right now again it is if you're if you're just renewing your agreement like the Big Twelve did, it's a lot quicker process than if you are doing a whole new deal uh, with new partners, and that's that's why one of the reasons the Pac-12s has taken so long. But also, I do wonder what's the real starting point here, right? They announced on July 5th they were that the president said authorized Commissioner George Kliavkoff to to get on uh, get moving on this, but then they had that 90 day exclusive negotiating window with ESPN Fox, which takes you into early October, and they got the UCLA thing hanging out there. Part of me thinks that they didn't really get serious until after the holidays. And so in that regard, it's taking about six months. Now, I don't know if that's the right read or not, but if if that's when they really got serious after the holidays and after the UCLA situation was resolved, then we're looking at six months, which is kind of what the Big Tens took.
1: I also think, like, I don't want to give the Pac-12 a pass. I think they've made mistakes here. I think the crisis management, the handling of, you know, the handling of the the messaging, the intermittent presidents and chancellors going public and then having to kind of backtrack. The goalposts have been moved several times. And I guess my question to the Pac-12 when this deal gets done will be like, okay, how do you explain all of that? How do you explain... You know, Dr. Robert Robbins and, and uh, Kirk Schultz at Washington State and you know some of the other messaging that has come out sporadically that I think has muddied the waters a little bit, and maybe there's a good explanation for it. I want to back up to something you said there, though, because I had a member of the PAC-12 CEO group tell me that as, as late as December, heading into that regents meeting, there was some belief among the presidents and chancellors, or maybe it was just a hope, and they had to wait and see, but there was some... There was some hesitation in moving along before knowing what the status of UCLA was going to be. And in fact, they were asking media partners to model deals going into that December Regents meeting that included UCLA as part of the conference. Um, Wishful thinking, Wilner, or did they have a a good reason there to kind of pause? Or do you have to pause if that's a, a possibility?
0: I mean, I guess if you're them, you feel like you have to pause. My hunch, and I don't know this... My hunch is that cal was telling the pac-12 you know what with the, what were the feedback we're getting from the regents is that they are going to put in put a stop to ucla's move now it, even if that's true you have to wonder was that the feeling throughout that entire five-month period or was there a point at which it became clear that they were going to let UCLA go. My sense is that there was a meeting in November in San Francisco of the Regents right before Thanksgiving that at that point it became pretty clear that, that, that they were not going to stop UCLA, but I'm guessing that Cal internally, uh, had reason to think that, that there might be, uh, UCLA might not be able to go, and they're telling the Pac-12 that. So that's how – that was the explanation. I don't know if it's true or not, but that would make the most sense if, in fact, they they thought that there was a chance UCLA even, was going to get stopped.
1: Yeah, or even if it was a Hail Mary chance, do you at that point go, hey, at least we need to know when Mary comes through because we don't know what we're doing. You know, We don't know what we're getting on third down if we don't know what happens on second down. So I, I guess maybe they pump the brakes there. But, again, no messaging – from the conference itself, uh, and they left a vacuum there that was filled, that void was filled with nonsense and misinformation and opportunistic, uh, you know, entities that I think were trying to destabilize the conference. But I go back, Wilner, and I'll, you know, I, at the time, even in November, December, same message I got in July and August from President Henslers they were unified, they're sticking together, that they're moving as a, uh, a herd, so to speak, of 10 schools, And, you know, all that talk last year about the, you know, the conference is ready to splinter, it's fractured, it's, you know, Oregon and Washington are imminently leaving, the imminent demise. Like, that message, like, droned on and on for five, six months. And uh, I'm eager to see what the conference is going to get from a distribution standpoint. But I'm also eager to see, like, how are those who are spinning that, that narrative, how are they going to come out of this when the Pac-12 does stay together and they get a deal? Do they just punt and go, well, we'll see in 2029. Boy, they barely escaped.
0: Yeah. The accountability factor on reporting. You never know how that's. Yeah. I don't think you never know. I don't know.
1: Uh, Is there accountability? Will Will the public hold that group accountable or will they just sort of understand that in 2023, this is what happens? People chase clicks. People throw things out without having sourcing and You know, because I think the Pac-12 will come out eventually when they get a deal and they'll go, hey, you know, we were unified all along. Right. That'll be the message, even though they they haven't had much in the way of messaging.
0: Yeah. And it's it's an interesting kind of confluence of events. Right. Because you've got the time this has taken, 51 weeks or whatever it is, and you've got the social media aspect of it. And then you've got an adversary. Right. Which is a different dynamic in in this realignment situation. The Big 12 is served as an adversary, whether it's the conference directly or it's it's uh, media advisors endeavor that have pushed uh, to try to f- fracture the, the Pac-12. They have pushed a narrative with the media, whether it's true or not. That is a new dynamic to this whole thing, and when you add in the time that it's taken, there's this void that has been filled with uh, a, a lot of negative PR for the Pac-12. And to this point, it doesn't seem like that has had a substantive impact. But we'll, you know, we'll see how it how the whole thing ends up. Now, how will the thing end up? What is your prediction? And and then maybe we can
1: get into some some, you know, wild uh, kind of, hey, worst case scenario, best case scenario, extreme scenarios that could happen. But let's go back to, you know, gun to your head,
0: John Wilner, where where do you think they end up? You know, that's a good question. I I thought that uh, before the big 12s deal in October, that the Pac-12 was going to get mid to high 30 millions per school. Per year. And now with the Big Twelve deal, I think the Pac 12 will end up with very high twenties to low to mid thirties. I've thought all along that those two conferences are within 10% of each other. Uh I've written that numerous times. If you do 10% below the Big 12, you're at like, I don't know, 29, 29 and a half. And if you do 10% above the Big 12, you're at like 34, 35. I just think that's that's the range and it'll be a mix uh in terms of partners. I think, I guess, Apple and ESPN. I think that there's there's almost no chance, despite what's been reported, there's almost no chance that ESPN will not have Pac-12 football uh, in the next contract cycle. Uh, just that is, uh, I just think that's not that's not reality. ESPN needs that Saturday night window. They're going to also want access to some some big games uh, during the day. So I'm going to say ESPN and Apple. I'm going to say within 10% of the big 12. And then the interesting pieces, and I'll, I'll let you chime in here too, and we should talk about this. The interesting pieces also to me are what is the kickoff selection policy between 12 day, six day, or something else? How many night games are there going to be? How many Thursday and Friday games are going to be? What is the impact of the contract going to be on the campus environment on Saturdays? Because I think that's a big deal to the presidents and their stakeholders. And I th- I'm i guessing the conference is doing what it can to improve the campus environment, which obviously uh, kickoff time and selection windows are a huge part of that.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's fascinating. That may be a motivating factor. We've heard some of the constituents um, over the years bellyaching about. You know kickoff times, especially like in places like Utah and Pullman, late in the season, where you get some weather, um, and then the windows definitely hurt season ticket, you know, uh, attendance in some places, and yep. and it's an annoyance for people too, not knowing when the games are going to kick off. And I think some of some of the initial motivation from inside that Pac-12 CEO group when they started the negotiations, I did hear. Some squawking about, hey, we're going to get better control of kickoff times. and But I don't know if they ended up there. And in the end, the dollars probably matter more to them than anything. and it, It's a dollars in distribution thing. And I think that equation has not changed from the beginning. Uh, although what we've seen, I think, in the last year is a real normalization of streaming. ESPN Plus coming out and saying that they're going to end up all streaming with their ESPN content one day and could be two, three years from now. Uh, Apple gets the MLS deal and then really looks good doing it. Like the production quality of that is is fantastic. And and then uh, you get the NFL, not just with Amazon, but streaming a a playoff game and NBC Universal. And then you know YouTube comes in and gets the Sunday Ticket. And so all of a sudden there's this movement towards streaming that happened while the Pac-12 was negotiating. So I think that may affect this deal because my sense is that. You know, as much as you know, the Pac-12 wants to be forward-thinking. I agree with you. I think ESPN is is got to be part of this deal. I think we've heard that from some different people who are in the room that they uh they value the the glow of the ESPN shoulder programming and all that propaganda during the playoff ranking release you know weekly deal that ESPN does. And you don't get you don't get that propaganda without being a partner of ESPN. That's the reality of of that world. And so I think, you know, I again, it could be as little as one game a week, Wilner, like just one game on ESPN a week I think is enough if it's the right game and ESPN has the pick of the games. And so then you can get those those programs that we all expect to be ranked early in the season, some exposure there, and I think that would be enough. Uh, I also think Apple's a likely player here. Like, we've talked about this. I don't think it's going to surprise anybody if Apple ends up with the Pac-12 Network's content. And in addition to, you know, the football games, they get basketball games and they get some other sports. And then I'm going to go one further. Like, I was repeatedly told throughout the process that Fox was still involved. And some other media members said, no, Fox is not involved. I went back and checked with the sources again. They said, no, Fox is actually talking about their Thursday and their Friday night windows, they they needed inventory there. So I think uh, my hunch is it's Apple, it's ESPN, it's a light sprinkling of Fox. If there is an Amazon presence, maybe it's in lieu of the Fox games. I don't know if Amazon would be interested with their Thursday night football games and taking on additional you know, weekly games, or maybe they use it as a promotional tool. Uh, I don't know, but I think that's going to be the blend. The number I keep hearing is that the pac 12 will beat the 31.6 million dollar average you know distribution that the big 12 conference put out there you know uh, that uh, you know that number is actually lower than 31.6 in the big 12s uh, in the big 12s uh, media deal that includes this year that that 31.6 so it includes Texas and Oklahoma as part of the conference when you do the averaging but it's really closer to 29 and change but I still think, You know, I am being told, I keep asking, will you beat 31.6? Are you confident you're going to beat 31.6? People in the room continue to tell me that they feel good about that and that getting within range of that number is a layup. So, and that was, when I first started hearing that, Wilner. it was early March. So anybody who said they didn't see numbers, I'm highly skeptical. Maybe they didn't see numbers on a contract. Maybe it's not official numbers, but they were getting
0: numbers, weren't they? There's no way they weren't getting numbers by March, right? And there's no way the presidents are going to agree to uh, hammer out the language in a of rights deal if they are completely blind to what the deal is going to be. They got to run multi billion dollar campuses. They're not going to be bothered to take some kind of flyer on a media deal that they haven't they haven't seen any. Any numbers on and and take the time to deal with the grand rights piece. And so it's all set up. And if the uh, I think if the if the f- official offers come in with what the conference expects, then they'll just sign the grant of rights and and d- deal with expansion and 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 move forward. What uh, what about the length? You never of the know. Deal? You but, never know though. Could would, right something could happen. Final I mean, maybe the uh, final bids aren't what they Something could happen to any of us. But le-
1: what about yeah. the length of the deal? The Big Ten's deal is up in 29/30. The SEC I think is 2031. The ACC is 2036. When does the Pac-12 want
0: to go back to market? Oh, I think they would want to go back to market in 29. Wouldn't you? I mean, I, that's, I think that's been part of the plan all along. So they could do, they could do a five-year deal, uh, something like that, or they could do like an eight or nine year deal. That's got a look in after five, right? There's mo- a lot of ways that you can, you know, uh, set up, uh, option clauses in contracts. So, but I, I have to imagine they're not going to get caught in the same situation. They were with the current contract, which was 12 years, no early outs, uh, that's just not going to happen, and nobody's going to do that anymore. Nobody's going to sign a deal like the ACC did or like the Pac-12 signed, you know, 12 years ago.
1: I also think that if you're the Pac-12, you're really going to be watching what happens with the expanded playoff because, in the case of Oregon and Washington, and maybe Utah as well, because Utah, as a two-time conference champion, has to, uh, you know, be interested in hey, when we get to the playoff, we win this conference again. What you know, what is that going to mean? What's that bottom line going to mean? I think um, getting to the playoff and what those distributions end up being if they are uh, uneven, as you know has been reported, um, I think it's going to be a major incentive for teams maybe to stay in their respective conferences. That goes for the Big 12 as well, because why would you want to go and compete against Ohio State and Michigan and USC in the Big Ten? And will that cause Oregon and Washington to go, you know what, we ended up far better off because – we can regularly
0: access the playoff from where we are. Which do you think is more likely, Pack Ten or Pack Fourteen? I mean, I assume you that you think that they're going to add SMU and San Diego State, but I just, I just, let's say yeah. let's say in a world that they don't just go to twelve, what are they going to do? But here's
1: the thing: I I go back and forth on this because you and I would go to if those are the two choices. You and I are probably going to fourteen, but the presidents and chancellors don't think like us. They're academics. They, uh, they are looking at, you know, the cultural fit of the campuses. They're looking at, you know, do they have a doctorate program? I'm going, hey, what do they bring to the table? Can they get to the playoff? Can they elevate your conference? You know, can they be Utah? Because Utah is such an outlier with, you know, among the schools that have realigned and and joined other conferences, Utah's got two championships doing it. Like, that's a success story. Like, who can who can be the next Utah? So with that in mind, I I, I do believe they're going to go – they have to expand because they need the inventory and they need the TV markets to get the number they, they desire. So if they're going to really beat the Big 12's number, I think they need the additional two schools. They need that inventory in football and in basketball, and they need that the 4 million-plus households that come with San Diego and Dallas-Fort Worth. But So if you give me those scenarios, I'll say, okay, if I have to stay at 10 or go to 14, I'll go to 14. I'll look at Tulane and Rice. I'll look at some others, uh, but, you know... I I don't want to stay at 10 because I need the households and I need the inventory, but I don't know what the presidents and chancellors will do. They do not think like me. They would, I would not be welcome in their circle. You know, they would look at me and go, Oh, you don't, you're not an academic. You don't think so. I don't know. I would say it's more likely they go to 10 than 14 in their eyes, because there may be part of them that's going pump the brakes. We don't need to expand. We'll take a little less money. We want to, we want to uh, hold on to the integrity of the original Pac-10 conference and, and see what happens with UCLA in a few years. But I, I actually think they need the extra schools. And so if it's up to me, I go to yeah. 14. Up to them, I don't know. I'd probably err on the side of 10.
0: If they, if they thought like we did, they would have fired Larry Scott before, you know, when they should have five years ago and taken a, that media offer from ESPN, and they wouldn't be in this position. But- uh, you're right. They think they think like academics. Yeah.
1: Uh, hey, when I was diving into that Larry Scott stuff originally, like 2016, 2017, I was getting told, oh, there's nothing to see here. The presidents and chancellors were way asleep and they were way focused on their own budgets and their own campuses. And I get it. You know, they had holes in their budget on their own campus. They were dealing with Title IX. They were dealing with faculty and tenure. I get it. You know, they were getting revenue. They were happy they were getting any revenue at all. But I think outside in, anybody who was comparing them to the Big Ten or the SEC was going, hey, wait a minute, you're falling behind. You're falling further behind. Every year you're falling behind.
0: Yep. And then the Big Ten did, you know, kind of ran circles around around their strategy by signing a media deal that expired one year before the Pac-12s did, which left open the door to, to go, go after USC and UCLA. So uh it, you know a lot of th- a lot of things have been misplayed for a long time that kind of set the stage for this but I, I agree with you I don't know that they would go to 14. you know they're too into the the brand of the West Coast uh the the geographic alignment those those sort of things but uh certainly I think they have to and I think this is going on behind the scenes right and I, and I, I want to get into maybe some extreme scenarios with you here in a minute but to me the the overarching approach that they need to take with this media deal is not what is going to be best for the conference in year one and year two of this new deal. So basically the 24 and 25 football seasons, they need to structure a deal to have the Pac-12 well positioned at the end of the decade when this whole process starts all over again with media rights negotiations. What can they do to make sure – Pac-12 is in the best negotiating position possible on July 1st of 2029 or 2030, right? And so they got to figure that you almost have to re-engineer it. Okay, what's our ideal situation? Then what do we do now to put us in that position, right? And I think that that may be one reason they're looking at SMU. And we've talked about this. If If you can get SMU up to being competitive at the power five level, for your next round of negotiations with the Dallas market, you know, that's a that's a chip that that could have some value to it. But I, I think that that's the way they've got to look at it. And, and which leads me to my next question for you. Uh, what do you think are some unlikely scenarios maybe that could be in this deal that we haven't thought of, nobody's thought of, but will make people say, huh, that's pretty smart in terms of the future uh, of the conference? I think, uh, look, I, you can't change, you can't really control
1: your television market growing. And that's the first thing is like these expansion decisions are made, you know, when you grab the LA market, that's a major win for the Big Ten. It's a major loss for the Pac-12. You can't make Pullman and Corvallis and Eugene and Tucson and Salt Lake City grow uh, exponentially if you're the Pac-12. You can't force that. But what you can control are the things that matter in college athletics. And, and first and foremost, it's football. I think you continue to stress investment in football, uh, hyper-investment in football. And, you know, I was told when UCLA and USC left, I, I reached out to Martin Jarman on the UCLA AD, and I talked to him about, you know, what will the schools in the Pac-12 do when they're funded at, you know, a 50% level relative to the Big Ten? Like, how, co- how can they compete? And he pointed out that, you know the 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 savings, the you know the cost savings wouldn't happen in football. It'll happen in other non-revenue generating sports. That the Pac-12 teams will continue to invest in football because that's what pays the bills. But I I really think if you could go above and beyond funding football in the Pac-12 and every year put multiple teams into the playoff and maybe start competing for national championships in that sport, I think that would be a huge asset and it would prove. You don't have to be in the Big Ten where all the money is. You don't have to be in the SEC where all the money is, and it, it may that could change the immediate complexion of college athletics. Can you win a national title, making sixty percent of what some of your peers are making?
0: Well, Clemson is the best example, and uh, their long run of success with with media with with much less revenue than teams in the SEC and Big Ten. Right, that's that's kind of the model. If you're Oregon. I mean Oregon's got its own model and it's been successful. Washington Washington has been successful at during periods. Utah now, but like Clemson to me is the most relevant uh benchmark for the top the top football schools in the in the Pac-12, right? And with the 12 team playoff, you know, you get in there, I don't know, you got to win a national title right to be super relevant, but you know, making that semifinal, can you get in there, can you win a couple games? I think that there's. I don't think there's any reason the best teams in the Pac-12 couldn't win a, a couple games in the playoff, even if their, you know, revenue is is much less than those in the SEC and and the Big Ten. I, I don't think that that's an impediment necessarily. If you're doing everything right with your staff and with your recruiting.
1: And all right, so who are those candidates? If who's the next Pac-12 team to win a playoff
0: game? Ooh, good question. Uh, you know, I could see Washington. I could see any team. The the conference is going to be good enough that if you get the right matchup in a four team deal, right? If you're playing Michigan, you know, for instance, uh, I could see, I could see a, a team winning a game, the champion. Now, twelve, the twelve team event, I, I don't know. I think you could go with the same the same schools. Uh, I think the Pac-12 should. There's no reason they should not be winning a game or two every year in the playoff.
1: Well, you know, when they get to a 12-team playoff, it's much more – it's easier to do. So let's just talk about this season. Um, I I can see Utah getting to Vegas, but I just don't know. You know, are they they as good as they were last year? But I said that last year, Wilner. I think Oregon has it lined up this year with Bo Nix coming back and Michael Penix Jr. And I think you need that quarterback if you're not only going to get to the playoff, but you're going to win a game. So I would say Washington or Oregon would be my picks for this season – But I would not bet against Utah, Oregon State, Washington, Oregon getting there when it expands and beating somebody. I think that is the the great equalizer if you're the Pac-12. Continued investment in football and show that you can matter in the expanded playoff. And here comes 2029 when everybody's scrambling and wondering again. And suddenly you don't just have a question of access to the playoff. You've got some proof of performance and you have some dollars in the bank. For programs that have have
0: routinely made the playoff. And you know, in, in that setup, it looks like Pac-12, let's say Pac-12 champ is the home team in a 6 versus 11 opening round or 7 versus 10 opening round. You that that is an advantageous position to be in and those games are going to be such gigantic events on on the campus for the entire campus for fundraising for uh you know, branding and, and applications. That that's, you know, that's the underlying reason that I think the expanded playoff is going to play such a role in kind of holding the power five structure together for a while is because everybody wants to get in the playoff and everybody wants to host one of those games, right? And if you're the Pac-12, you do that every year and you you win or two, uh, a game or two, a lot of times you, you're you going to be in position in 2030 to re- do a new media deal that gets you through the next chapter of this of the sports uh, history.
1: Yeah. I'm going to ask you something else too, because in talking about San Diego state and SMU, and I know a lot of Aztec fans and Mustangs fans listen to this podcast. They've picked it up and, you know, they're hopeful they're going to get into the PAC 12, but SMU's collective, the Boulevard, I talked with the, the head of the collective. They said they, um, you know, they uh, have consulted with their consultants and they have done their homework on where their collective fits in the Pac-12, and they told me that they believe they would be behind only Division Street. You and I talked in the last episode about how quickly they could compete. Do you think the NIL collective is a factor in the eyes of the presidents and chancellors, positive or negative? You know, because I I wonder if Washington State, Oregon State, and some others that don't have a Division Street are going, hey, do we want to deal with another Division Street? Is the collective and the wealth of the collective a factor in expansion?
0: I mean, it should be. If they're smart, it should be. If they want to put their heads in the sand, then it won't be. But I mean, that's the reality. And I kind of think they also are going to be considering the other economic issues, right? The NCAA is getting hammered uh, on the the legislative front. And is there going to be federal uh, oversight of NIL? And what about the employee-employer relationship, the NLRB case? The other lawsuits that are uh, challenging the NCAA's antitrust, uh, the antitrust suits challenging the NCAA's amateur model, right? They have to be thinking what's going to happen if if we got to pay players twenty five grand every year because they're considered semi employees. Those things have to be taken into account as they think about expansion and think about positioning the conference for twenty thirty. Do you
1: think? everybody will see it as positive that smu's got deep-pocketed donors or do you think there'll be some outliers who go no nah, we we had a hard enough time dealing with usc and didn't like to compete against them even though they like the tv market will will there be some pushback there
0: it might be i mean they need eight votes uh super majority eight out of ten to for an invitation I would. The other thing is, you know, if you get SMU, you got a much greater presence for your conference in Dallas. And I think it could help with, you know, recruiting out of state kids, not athletes, but just out of state tuition, which is a lot of money. And I mean, that's a huge moneymaker for these schools. And if you can increase your presence in the Dallas Fort Worth market uh, for out of state, I think that would be, that's going to be a big uh, attraction for a lot of the presidents.
1: He's John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. I'm John Canzano. You can read Wilner at Pac12Hotline.com. You can find me at JohnCanzano.com. Get a free subscription, get a paid subscription. Whatever works for you works for me. Uh, Wilner, I think the next time we talk, the Pac-12 may have a deal. We may have something to talk about. Your hunch on that and the timing before we conclude this episode.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, All right, so I'm going to guess the week of July... 10th right monday the 10th i'm gonna say nothing next week partly because the holiday uh so i'm guessing the week of the 10th what do you think
1: i i'm in the same boat and but i don't know i mean i for me i would not want to announce this on july if i'm the pac-12 the fourth is out maybe the fifth is out i, I guess you could go to the end of that fourth of july week but again from a strategy standpoint you know, do you wait and do you uh, make the deal the following week? Now, the Big 12 deal, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like a Saturday or Sunday morning that the news broke, and then it was made official the following week. So, uh, you know, I might lean towards, as I look at the calendar here, I might lean towards, you know, maybe a leak of a deal on July 7th, 8th, or 9th, and then an official announcement on the 10th or 11th or 12th, right in there. Could be something like that. The other
0: piece, too, is... You know the president's vacation schedules right and when are they going to be gone when are they going to be around now certainly you can hop on zoom and cast a vote uh from pretty much anywhere but are they going to be willing to do that whereas they you know or just push it off for a few days i i don't know but that we probably shouldn't ignore the possibility that just the logistics uh of the president's schedules might might push it out of next week because of the holiday but certainly don't you think it'll be before Media Day on the 21st? Uh, they have to. They cannot
1: go into Media Day with this thing hanging over their head. They're, they're supposed to be celebrating Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, uh, you know, the USC, Caleb Williams reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Utah coming off a back-to-back championship, and you know everybody else in this conference, Coach Prime in Colorado. you cannot have Las Vegas turn into, hey, why don't you have a deal? and i think there's some incentive there but you know i was told because you know we were all looking at san diego state and the june 30th deadline but i was told that it, it was likely that it would spill over into early july but i want to see you know we'll i guess we'll see the deal when we see the deal
0: yeah and let's uh let's hope it's it's in the next few weeks just uh and and the saga so to speak Well,
1: it, yeah and I, I mean look i'm i'm grateful that you and i have this podcast we started this podcast and i think it's given us a forum to kind of fill in some blanks that that you you know we 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 can field questions and we you know, on a timely basis we can hear from the audience hey what are they wondering about what are they thinking about so i'm grateful that we have this platform but i am looking forward to talking about the quarterbacks and the coaches and who's going to be a surprise this season and, and hopefully That's where we'll end the month of July and head into August. I appreciate everybody who listens to this episode. Make sure you subscribe, leave us feedback, help other people find it, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.
0: Yeah, and have a happy and safe 4th of July, everybody.